one of the reasons why it's so vital to encourage Cornell students, students in general, to go abroad because you learn so much about who you are and where you come from, too, in addition to what you go to learn about while you're abroad. To um, have a better way of uh, communication, to understand people that might have sort of different background, different um, education, right? I mean, have different sets of knowledge. Figure out a way to, to collaborate, figure out a way to achieve a common goal. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. We learn about the new Cornell China Center and the events and opportunities afforded to students on site there in Beijing. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we will speak with Yinghua and Nina Chowpricha about the Cornell China Center. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Ying and Nina. Thank you for the invitation, Anglica and Sam. Yeah, thanks for having us here. So the Cornell China Center does all sorts of interesting things, both on campus and in China. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about what the mission is and what your role is within the center? Ying, why don't you get started? Okay, um, so the China Cornell China Center is a fairly new unit on campus. Um, it's officially launched in 2016, but it's built on a century uh, long of in-depth engagement between Cornell and China. Mm-hmm. So our mission, uh, I'm going to give you first uh, an official uh, version and some interpretation of it, at least from me. Um, <laughs> so the center's vision is to build a intellectual and uh, experiential bridge between Cornell and China, bringing great minds together to foster innovative collaborations and um, address critical challenges um, that China and the world um, faces. Our mission is to support world-class research, education, and collaboration across uh, diverse communities in in, uh, Cornell and China. So uh, we intend to be, um, I think, three things. One is a bridge between Cornell and China, And the second is a window for China to Mm. learn more about Cornell, different Mm -hmm. aspects, different colleges, different uh, groups of Cornellians. Um, And the last one is uh, we intend to be a platform for uh, Cornell uh, scholars um, for supporting their research, uh, linking um, them with resources and uh, help disseminate their work. So in the end, the... um, the goal or the intention is to uh, support the visibility of Cornell, Cornell research and Cornell scholars so we can have a greater um, impact. And my role, um, I'm the academic director of the center. Um, so my half of my time um, is actually a regular uh, faculty member at Cornell. I'm an associate professor um, of design and environmental analysis um, in human ecology. Mm-hmm. And uh, Technically, 50% of me is this director of uh, Cornell China Center. So I um, worked on craft and execute uh, the China Center's strategy, provide programmatic direction for the center's uh, activities, both on Ethica campus and also um, in um, at our new uh, Cornell China Center space in, in Beijing. I work very closely with uh, 
of course, my um, team, uh, Nina, will introduce herself. Um, she's just a great um, team member to work with. Uh, Aww, we also work with uh, the vice provost for um, international affairs, um, the Cornell China Board, and uh, China Center's uh, faculty advisory committee. Wonderful. So, Nina, let's hear more from you. Yeah, I'm Nina Chowpricha, the Ithaca Campus Coordinator for the Cornell China Center. And as someone who loves to plan, manage, organize, coordinate things, this has been a great role for me. I've really enjoyed being involved and getting to use my skills and talents to help advance the Cornell China Center's work across Cornell and the world. Um, I've been organizing faculty grant programs. I organize events on the Ithaca campus. I help think about strategic direction for the center. And it's been really exciting that we opened our new center in Beijing in November, right before COVID hit. Yeah, we were actually um, really excited to have the physical space in China because I think that um, shows our commitment to the collaboration. And also it is, a, a, if we talk about window and platform, physical space actually um, has its own magic, um, even with all the technology that we have now. Um, and uh, in 2019, in November, um, President Pollock, um, in uh, Provost Kotlikov, and also the chair of uh, Cornell uh, Board of Trustees, all three of them actually traveled to China to um, open the office um, in, in Beijing. And then this uh, was also the time we had our first Cornell China Forum. And now, um, even though we only had it for uh, two times, but uh, we intended for it to be the signal, uh, signal sorry, signature uh, event um, of Cornell in China. As a fairly new unit, both on campus and in Beijing, what were some of the programs and projects you facilitated this year? Actually, in the past year, um, we thought um, it will be, I mean, the space will be quiet, right, because of the COVID impact. But um, I mean, in, in China, life um, started to go back to normal a bit earlier um, than mm-hmm. here in the States. So we actually get to I mean, um, start to, to have events and activities in the center um, in November, uh, October and November uh, last year. And also, um, this has been a special year because um, we have a large number of uh, Cornell Chinese students actually in China. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over a thousand. Over a thousand, right. I mean, right now, there's still uh, close to 800 students um, in China. So something we actually, um, at the the launch of the the center um, and the new space, we didn't um, include it in the original set of and sort of missions or, or goals um, about serving students. It wasn't there, but um, now the space actually become, a, we call it a home away from home mm-hmm. for those hundreds nice. of, um, yeah, Cornell um, students. We, we were happy with that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even it was um, just months before yeah, for COVID sure hit China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, uh, we call it a spring social for students and young alumni. Uh, but for that event, we actually get to um, invite the chair of the Cornell China Board, uh, Mr. Jonathan Zhu. Um, he's a Cornellian himself. He's an alumni of the law school and mm-hmm. um, had, I think he's very grateful for the, the Cornell experience. It, um, I mean, for his own 
um, the 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 career development, and also I think he met his uh, wife there, got married on Cornell campus. So it's, oh, nice. Mm, yeah, so he shared with us um, his um, experience, like um, coming to the U.S., study, and also actually change from literacy to um, literature, sorry, to um, law school, and oh. then um, shared several critical decisions he made in his mm -hmm. career um, and uh, answered a lot of questions from uh, the students. It was a really um, dynamic conversation. Wonderful. And I had to pull him out of the space <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is one type of activities that we have kind of engage um, different groups um, and then have a diverse audience. And um, I can also very briefly mention, we also had a, um, another event, which um, we bring together the deans of uh, Cornell Tech and mm -hmm. the dean of, um, so dean of Cornell Tech, Greg Morissette and uh, dean of um the computing and information science, uh, Kapi Dabala. Um, the two of them uh, talk with two top AI scientists in, mm. in China mm -hmm. and talk, but from uh, education and the capacity building uh, ethics uh, point of view. So that was a virtual event, but uh, um, now we, we sort of um, organize either in-person or hybrid or online um, yeah. events Yeah, in the center. That's fascinating. Um, so, Ying, you just talked a little bit about the role of students, especially in Beijing right now. Um, what other opportunities are there for students to get involved in the Cornell China Center, maybe also on Cornell's campus? And why is it in general important for Cornell students to have international experiences and, and you know, see international viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe I can um, I mean, first answer the, the letter part, the mm -hmm. second part of the sure. question. So um, I am Chinese and I, I see myself uh, really benefit from that decision and experience. <laughs> Um, studying in the U.S. So mm -hmm. I came to the States after I finished my um, uh, degree in architecture, uh, both bachelor's of architecture degree and a master in, in building science. At the time, um, I was being really interested in learn, uh, learning more about sustainable um, building. So mm -hmm. I came to the States, um, studied at Carnegie Mellon University uh, with two advisors who are actually very interested in China, um, being very um, open to sort of different ways to approach mean design um, and uh, sustainability. So I get, I, I really think that experience broadened uh, my scope, not just allow me to learn sort of the state of art, mean, uh, learn the best sort of strategy, knowledge <laughs> uh, about how to create sustainable buildings, how to create I mean, facilitating um, I mean, space for people to work sure. and learn, uh, but really allow me to um, kind of I mean, think about how I, uh, what questions I mean, need to be asked, how I sort of structure, uh, study, how I consider all different um aspects of I mean, needs of individuals, groups, and how to use design solutions to address it. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Yeah, I I really mean never regret that decision. Even I mean, mm-hmm. my parents probably think um, shouldn't let me go because <laughs> once I <laughs> left home, I didn't <laughs> come back. I only visit yep. them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, but and after that, I um, in my own teaching, I actually paid a lot of attention to create that kind of opportunities for my students. Mm-hmm. So I teach, for example, joint studios. Uh, with uh, collaborators in, in in China, so I drag nice. my studio to visit sites in China, spent mean a week, mean two weeks in China, mm-hmm. and it was really uh, fascinating to me that um, to see the the changes that the week mean make to um, my sure. students, not mm-hmm. on their. I mean, it's actually about how they. Um, because many of them actually, um, those trips is their uh, was their first trip to Asia or first mm. trip to to China, mm-hmm. and then it's fascinating to see that um, before the trip, they 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 or even more so their family are pretty nervous about mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. that long uh, trip. Sure. But once they're there, you actually see they're a lot more in common between them mm-hmm. and their peer, being yep. the young people in China, right? And then. Um, Luckily, um, I think the the, the uh, Chinese students' English is pretty good, so there's no communication barrier. But uh, mm-hmm. those kind of firsthand experience um, gave the students an opportunity to kind of see and feel and I mean, communicate and um, just to to um, I, mean, I don't know both for from a professional point of view. Uh, because China, the built environment is actually, um, the development is very fast, a lot of opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. But also um, to to um, have a better way of uh, communication, um, to understand um, I mean, people that might have sort of different background, different um, education, right? Sure. I mean, have different sets of knowledge um, I mean, from them, but uh, still figure out a way to to collaborate, figure out a way to achieve a common goal. For mm-hmm. our cases, it's just um, a, a design project, right? So I I um, really think that will be a, I mean, a necessary, actually, component of a, um, a higher ed um, experience, um, oh, yeah. maybe um, right, long or short, um, so this um, that's also the reason I um, at the time apply for this director of um, China Center position um, so that I get to create more opportunities for uh, students and colleagues mm-hmm. um, at uh, the university level in addition to um, just my own field. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then talking about Nina also had a um, experience being both work, I mean, study and uh, work in in Hong Kong in in Germany, um, and um, he can she can also talk about her experience, and I'll also let her to talk about more um, thing about the student opportunities because we, mm-hmm. we do work with students. Yeah, I lived in Germany for two years of my life in first grade and eleventh grade. I went back as an exchange student in high school, and then mm-hmm. uh, in in grad school, I. I uh, did some PhD research in China for a couple of years. And in between, I worked in Hong Kong for a couple of years. And through all those experiences, one of the great things has been learning more about myself and uh, my home country, too. I think by going away, you learn a lot about yourself and where you're from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's one of the reasons why it's so vital to encourage Cornell students, students in general, to go abroad because you learn so much about who you are and where you come from, too, in addition to what you go to learn about while you're abroad. 
And in terms of, uh, for Cornell students, ways to get involved with us on campus, we have a couple of different ways. One is we really benefit from our student employees. We have student communication assistants who work with us to help us produce posts for our uh, WeChat uh, account, which for Cornell alumni and families and friends in China, we translate important news into Chinese. We create news about China and it's different, or about Cornell and its different colleges. And we try to share things about Cornell that are relevant in China for our friends there. So we look for student employees. We usually uh, like to have a few students in any given semester year working with us. And we welcome people interested to contact us about upcoming opportunities for that. Um, also, we have some events a couple each year for the campus where we welcome students to attend and join the events. For example, this week we have one where students from around Cornell, students and postdocs are presenting their China-related research and we're welcoming students to talk about the research they're doing in China, on China, with China, anything in any way China-related <laughs> Chinese collaborators. And, uh, yeah, so we welcome students to participate in events like that too. Great. Can you tell us more about the innovative ways that the Cornell China Center has responded to the circumstances we found ourselves in this past year? Yeah, sure. Um, so because um, our work on building that bridge um, and um, being the contact uh, person or unit um, for partners um, in China, including uh, universities and individuals and um we found us, ourselves in an interesting, um, and you can even say it's a useful kind of a position that um, me at the beginning of um, COVID. Um, so in March to April um, 2020, we actually spent almost all our time um, helping Wild Cornell to, um, uh, to coordinate donations and uh, procurement of uh, protective um, equipment, oh, wow. um, ventilators, mm -hmm. just because um, we happen to be the be bilingual and also um, be uh, having already a network with uh, alumni, uh, students, and even parents, and also board members, China board members. So um, it's an interesting, um, I mean, six weeks, actually, we lived a, a uh, flipped, I mean, the work, work hours is, I mean, starts mm -hmm. like six sure. PM in wow. the evening, and then, and um, we had to teach ourselves the the export, I mean, those policies, and then deal with all the changes that um, the customers of both countries actually new policies, like almost every other week or every week. Uh, but we're we're very proud that um, we coordinated um, hundreds of I means. So it's actually all together. I think three, almost three hundred thousand uh, masks. That wow. we uh, were able to co uh, coordinate um, wow. the amount of donation, yeah, to while uh, to campus Ithaca campus and also to uh, a couple of uh, medical um, uh, uh, facilities um, local in, in in Ithaca. So uh, and after that, um, that's after the uh, uh, after Cornell announced the um, the new sort of normal or new um, campus. Um, me, uh, hybrid campus or um, uh, courses went uh, virtual. So that's the time um, we, uh, because of the interface with the students and parents, um, we started to spend time uh, supporting the, the very frustrated uh, student, try to mm -hmm. make a decision whether they should stay on campus, whether they should go home, uh, which was safer, 
uh, how can they can plan for the spring semester and the fall. Um, so throughout I mean, during that process, we're just trying to think like besides answer some questions, um, being, but using a lot of times, maybe or um, sure. probably. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, we just I think at the time, um, any one of us, I mean, as, as a staff, as a faculty, you sort of feel um, you just want to do more for the students to support mm -hmm. them at such a frustrating uh, mm -hmm. time. Um, and uh, so we've been, been thinking about like what, what else can we can do, right? <laughs> Besides try to interpret the university policy for them. Yeah. Um, so because um, China Center, we are um, the contact um, unit for uh, with, with Chinese partners, like partner university, all the the uh, the collaborative programs, uh, all the uh, visits. Um, so we have a very strong uh, relationship with uh, the international offices of uh, the top universities in China. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also the time um, the uh, vice provost uh, for um, being, uh, international affairs office, uh, uh, Wendy uh, Wolford's office, uh, started to talk about this model of um, study away, trying to find some um, campus that would um, accept our students to be temporarily sure. uh, studying there. So we just um, I, I mean, volunteered ourselves. I volunteered myself to be the communicator. Mm -hmm. um, mean, uh, to present this proposal to uh, Chinese partners um, and then try to um, mean, persuade them that um, since their students, their, their international students cannot mean, go to their campus because of the travel ban, uh, mean, can mm -hmm. they consider giving our students mean, that capacity, leave our, that, that capacity for our, for Cornell students? Um, so, it's a lot of WeChat messages, thousands, tens of thousands of WeChat wow. messages, and but I'm actually um, I mean, I'm quite impressed that um, those I mean, Chinese partner uh, universities because they have many many reasons to say no because there's a lot of risks associated with hosting uh, undergrad grad students, right? Large, but we're talking about hundreds of students. Uh, but they they um, understand our situation because that was the time Chinese campuses are already uh, were um, going back to normal. They still have a very strict campus um, policy, uh, but uh, classes started to back to normal and students can live on campus. Um, so we um, yeah spent probably three two three months uh, working on. Uh, talking with those partners, try to get as many spots for our students um, and then work with global operations to kind of shepherd or support the, the, the quick development of the, the exchange agreement. Yeah. Um, so in the end, I think um, we um, helped to uh, find a campus um, being living opportunity, living and studying opportunity for 420 um, students in the fall. Um, at six um, being, uh, universities in mainland China plus one more in Hong Kong. Um, and uh, um, then um, also because I mean, the, the, the impact of COVID just continues. So sure. um, we get to um, talk to those partners again at the, at the end of the fall and uh, to continue that um, study away program.
Mm-hmm. Um, so right now there's still about uh, 300 um, students um, in in those six um, nice universities. Yeah, in, that's great. In China, um, wow. which yeah, I think students appreciate that connection to uh, campus life resources that they sure. need, and more importantly, um, it's a also they get the connection with the Cornell community because um, mm-hmm. they're usually from. Um, 20 to 200, I mean, depending on the, the partner university um, means capacity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they actually get to uh, see and study with um, their fellow Cornellians mm-hmm. and complain nice. about some of the late night <laughs> class together, <laughs> I guess. The, <laughs> suffer together or <laughs> struggle together <laughs> is one way, right? We get through college <laughs> courses. Oh, yeah. So. We've all been there. <laughs> Yeah, and, and some I of them it's... really find silver linings. And yeah. we have a student in, in Tsinghua's uh, women's soccer team, and we have students in and being playing leading role in drama. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, these are talented students. And then sure. once they, they right, I mean, they have the, the resources, they thrive. So mm-hmm. this is something we're very happy to see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just the students who have been appreciative of the study way, but even prospective Cornell students. I've heard from a colleague at Cornell who works with um, Chinese high school students online that several of them changed their mind from attending Cornell uh, competitors to want, like picking Cornell as their first place mm. after hearing about the success of study away mm-hmm. and how Cornell has worked really hard to support its international students this year. So I know so, so many people at Cornell have worked so hard to support our international yeah. students and, and staff this year. And it's being appreciated that mm-hmm. you can see that globally. That's great. So where can our listeners find out more information about the China Center? Our website is chinacenter.cornell.edu. And at the bottom of our homepage, we have a QR code that people can scan to follow our WeChat channel as well. Huh. We also have listservs for Cornell faculty, staff, and friends and colleagues of Cornell. So if you're interested in joining to hear about our upcoming events and opportunities and news, feel free to contact us. Our information is listed on our website. Wonderful. All right. Well, before we sign off, we'd like to ask you both to share your favorite word in a language you speak, love, or are learning. Let's hear it. It's tough for me because I have two. In Chinese, I love the phrase jiayo, which is like add oil. And I love that because it conjures up this feeling of, yes, let's put gas in the car. Let's go. Huh. We can do this. Yeah. Message of support to a friend. And probably my favorite word in the whole world is a German word. And that is Donau Dampfschiffartskapitins Kajula. And that translates <laughs> basically to meaning... The, the captain's quarters of a ship going down the Danube River. And the fact that that can all be packed into one word in German, I just found amazing and awesome. I learned that word in my high school German class. And Nina, I am just thinking, because we add hashtags to um, our social media postings, that's going to break Twitter. <laughs> that oh. word is way too long. Uh, no, I hope I hope that starts trending. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too funny. So, Ying, what about you? So, from me, um, this is actually, I mean, I have like a page full of characters in front of me in Chinese. But uh, probably I would say, I mean, it, it, it will sound sort of uh, strange. So, my, 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 the character of my first name, uh, Ying, um, I 
for a long time in my teenage years, I, I, I really don't like that character. And I even had like a group of mine trying to figure out a, a new name for me. That was constantly a topic uh, for, for, for at least a couple of years. But now I actually um, mean really like this character. So it it on the surface it probably just if you ask a Chinese it will he she will tell you it means smart. With the the growing of ages, I I started to sort of learn multiple layers of what smart means, not just about mean learn when mean. For, for a young person, probably means um, the word probably the character probably means uh, learn things quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that you feel very good about yourself. That you can learn things quickly. You're smart. Um, and then gradually, um, you you start to sort of adding layers to that, and thinking uh, it actually about being wise. You can see through the surface and right I mean understand the either the mechanism or the underlying meaning of things um and then um maybe I mean now I'm really sort of looking forward to the next uh, stage of uh, kind of being more relaxed and then because of the the understanding of things that um you don't need to um sort of rush to to like make yourself visible <laughs> and uh, it's more about wisdom than just the, mm. the, the the smart on the surface every day there's something new to learn <laughs> and to think about <laughs> yep but that's a good thing right we like learning yeah 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 <laughs> definitely definitely sometimes it's not very pleasant but <laughs> it, it is a good thing i agree great well ying and nina thank you so much for speaking of language with us today Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot for this opportunity. Next week, we will share the highlights of a conversation between myself and Fatima Sumar, founder of Cornell's translator and interpreter program and now working in the Biden administration. We will talk about language access and equity. Until then. Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners. And do stay tuned for our next episode.